Hebrews chapter 11. Tonight we are going to talk uh, uh, from Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to take some time to define faith because we're talking a lot about faith, and we're talking about growing faith, and we're talking about um, how we can do that and how God, God does that in our lives. Um, but let's just take a moment to actually look at what the Bible says faith is or what faith does. And so I'm going to read to you from Hebrews chapter 11. Now, here's, it, it, it is a, a chapter that many of you probably are familiar with. Um, and so I'm going to read you the entire chapter. So you can you know, follow along in the, in the Bible. I'm actually going to use a book. Look at this, an actual book. Um, and if you want to, you can follow along. Or, you know, the Bible is a very meditative book. And um, originally, people didn't have copies of it. It was read out loud and people listened to it. So if you'd like to sit and just sort of maybe close your eyes or listen to it and let the Word of God work in your heart. It's also a good way to figure out how much you've memorized, especially if you've heard it a lot before. You can think about, you know, it's a great way to work on memorizing parts of it and trying to remember it. So however you want to take it in, uh, I would just encourage you just to listen here as I read to you Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to talk about defining faith. So let me uh, put my glasses on. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his own, went, obeyed, and went, I'm sorry, received as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered himself faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, 
They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He had received the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid for three months after he was hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw that he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. And when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others still were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went around in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Wow, what an amazing passage. What a a lot of spiritual meat. And what a great uh, chapter to talk to us and help us understand a little bit more about what faith is. Because we're talking about building faith. We're talking about creating circumstances where faith grows. But what does faith actually look at, look like? Well, there's a lot of things in this passage. So I'm just going to give you three things, three insights from this, three things that I hope will help remind us of what faith is. First of all, 
Faith is, faith is an attitude. Let's be, let me just start back in verse one and two again. Let's look at this for a second. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So the Bible is actually very clear about what faith is. Faith is not about feeling something. Faith is not an emotion that we have. Faith is actually being something, the Bible teaches us. Faith is being what? Sure and certain. You know, sometimes we think of faith as, as a feeling. You know, how you doing today? How you feeling? Well, I'm feeling faithful. Okay, well, that's good. And, and if you say that to me or I say that to you, we, we know what we mean by that. But the truth is, it's not really a feeling because the problem with that, fee, that, that kind of thinking is like all of our feelings, they just sort of come and go as they come and go. Feelings are like clouds, you know, sometimes they're there, sometimes they come, sometimes they go. You don't really have a lot of control over feelings that you have. You know, the, the sun shines and you're, you know, or, or, or the rain comes, you don't have a lot of control over that. And it's very similar with our emotions. Our emotions can kind of come and go. And so if we think of faith as a feeling, then we sort of fall victim to, you know, uh, being faithless and feeling like we don't really have any control over that. But the truth is, the Bible teaches us that faith is actually being something. It's being what? Sure and being certain. And so the Bible is teaching us here is that faith is not a, something, it's not a feeling that we have. It's an attitude that we take. That's what faith is. It's a, it's a, it's a decision to be sure and it's a decision to be certain. This is an attitude. And the, the, the Gospels are full of examples of this kind of faith, isn't it? I mean, think of Mark chapter 2. Remember the story of the four guys bringing their friend to Jesus to be healed. The, the, the house was crowded. They couldn't get to Jesus. So what did they do? Quit. And they went home. No, that's not what they do. They got on the roof and they ripped the roof open and lowered their friend down into uh, the room where Jesus was to heal Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus saw their faith and healed their friend. I mean, it was visible, this attitude of sure and certain, we will get this guy to Jesus because Jesus will help. Uh, Matthew chapter nine, there's a great story of two blind men who yell out to Jesus and, and, uh, and they want to be healed. And Jesus says, do you believe that I'm able? And they say, yes, we believe. And because of their faith, they are healed. Luke chapter seven, uh, a man has a servant who is sick and, and uh, uh, about to die. And he meets Jesus and he says to Jesus, just say the word. Like you don't even have to come to my servant. Just let the air pass over your vocal cords, Jesus, and that can heal this man. I mean, that's how sure and certain this man was about Jesus. And, and sure enough, because of his faith, Jesus healed the servant. So the example, the, 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 the gospels are full of examples of this kind of attitude, faith, being sure and being certain. So what, that's what faith is. It's not just something we wait to feel. 
It's a decision we make about being something, being sure and certain. Sure and certain of what? Well, what does it say? Sure of what you hope for, certain of what we do not see. Sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. You want a, a, a challenging exercise to do on your own sometime is make a list. Make a list of things that you hope for and then make a list of the things that you do not see. And, uh, you know, just, and you know, by do not see, I don't mean like air or atoms, you know, of course, <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking about things you don't sense, things that in, in your life that you just don't see how this could happen and, or things that you hope for, but you just don't know how it could, could come to pass. And try to train yourself then to become sure and certain of those things. It's difficult, it's challenging, but that's when you know you are starting to exercise faith because that's what faith is. It's an attitude. What would be on your list? I'm sure there might be a thousand different things on your list. Maybe uh, things about your finances, things about your character, maybe relationships, you know, maybe physical problems, maybe work, maybe your spouse, maybe your children, maybe school, uh, maybe your boyfriend, maybe your girlfriend, maybe your lack of boyfriend, your lack of girlfriend, maybe your car. Who knows? I mean, there's probably a very large list of things that you hope for and that you do not see. Well, if you can identify those things, then you can begin to work at being sure and being certain. And this is when you enter into the realm of faith. It is convicting and inspiring to be around people like this, isn't it? People who have this love, this attitude. I remember years ago, my wife and I were uh, moving up to Orange County, New York, to West Point. We were going to work with the ministry there, and we were looking for a house to rent. And so we decided to make a list of all the things that we uh, wanted in a house and then to pray about it. And we made, you know, a bunch of things on the list. Here's what we want. We, we had no idea where, where we were going to find this house. The market there is very small. And it's hard to get in. And, uh, but we thought, we'll make a list and we'll pray about it. And as we're making the list, you know, we're, we're saying all these things we wanted. And then she said, oh, oh, you know what I want? I want a fireplace. And uh, I, I may have shared this story with you before, but it's such, a, it's such a convicting story for me. She said, I want a fireplace. And so as I began to write it on the list, I had this feeling like, I don't know, that's a, lot, that's a lot. I mean, this list is getting long. I don't know, that's a lot to ask from God. So I said, you know what? We'll just put the fireplace in, in parentheses. So I made the list, but I put parentheses around the fireplace. And, um, you know, I was, <laughs> you know, and so we prayed about it and, and, and she's like, okay, all right. You know, she's a little deflated by that, but she's like, okay. And, um, anyway, we, we, we started looking for how God blessed us. We eventually found a place, um, and it was amazing. We fell in love with it. It was a house that sat right outside of West Point. It was up on a hill that overlooked the Hudson River. I mean, it was beautiful. It was such a great place, and we loved uh, living there. And I remember after we'd already moved in and been there a little while, I was digging through some stuff, and I found the list. I found the prayer list that we had written. And I was looking through the prayer list, and I was amazed by God to see that everything we had asked for was there. Everything, everything about the house, everything about the neighborhood, about the proximity, all of that stuff. Everything was there except a fireplace. But 
<laughs> to make it more convicting, I later discovered that the house actually had a fireplace. You could see it from the outside. But on the inside, when they renovated it, they had covered the fireplace up. They had covered it up. So it was no longer there on the inside. And it was almost like God was saying to me, Phil, you want a fireplace in parentheses? I'll give you a fireplace in parentheses. And I was so convicted about my lack of faithful attitude. God gave me exactly what I, it was there, but it wasn't there. And so this is convicting. This, this is the kind of attitude that, that faith is. And it's convicting when people around us have it. And it's convicting and inspiring when, when we try to have this kind of attitude as well. And here's an interesting thing too. In verse two, it says they were commended for this. You know, it doesn't say that they had this attitude, this sure and certain attitude. And so they, were, they weren't considered arrogant. They weren't considered cocky or prideful or pushy. Or they, they were actually commended for this attitude. And so this is what faith is. It's not a feeling that we have. It's actually, a, a, it's being something. It's being sure and being certain. Are there areas in your life where the circumstances are leaving you saying, hey, I don't see how this can work out. I don't know how this is going to happen. I can't see the end. Are there areas where you, where God is calling you to have an attitude of being sure and being certain? Doesn't mean that you like it. Doesn't mean that it feels good. It doesn't even mean that you know how it's going to work out. But you're sure and you're certain that God is going to take care of it. This is what faith is. This is faith defined. Faith is an attitude. Secondly, faith is an absolute necessity. Faith is a necessity. Going back to our text here, it says there in verse, uh, verse six, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the Bible even just amps it up a little bit more when it comes to faith. It, it not only teaches that faith is an attitude, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's something we can choose, being something. But then it even goes further to say, it's not okay to be faithless, it's not okay to be without faith. In fact, the exact wording is here, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to have faith. It, it is, it's an absolute necessity that we have faith in God. And he goes on here and very interestingly, even kind of defines faith a little bit more because he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him, comes to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's a great Bible study right there. Because there it sort of even dissects faith a little bit more. That faith has two parts to it. It's a belief in God's existence. And it's also a trust that God will take care of you. That's really the two parts of faith. It's one, believing in God. You gotta believe God exists. He's God, he's infinite, he's all powerful. He can do anything. He is above all things. He's outside of all things. Like he is, he is the beginning of everything. He's the end of everything. God is, is it. 
You know, God exists. He is real. So that's part of faith. And then there's another part of faith where there's trust, where you've got to trust God. You've got to believe that if you give yourself to God, if you seek after God, you will find him. That it says, as it says, he will reward you. That you're not going to get to the end and find out you just fall flat on your face. That he's not going to drop the ball on you. And so these are even two more detailed parts of what faith is. It's belief and trust. You see these examples in the Gospels. For example, in Mark chapter 9, uh, remember the, 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 the guy who had the son with the spirit that was tormenting him, um, he asked Jesus to help. And remember what he said? He goes, Jesus, if you can do anything, you know, heal my, my, my child. And remember Jesus' response? Jesus' response was awesome. He's like, if I can? Hey, you know, like I picture Jesus like looking behind him like, you're talking to me, right? <laughs> if I can? And then he goes on to say, anything is possible for people who believe. So this was a man who, well, the man actually, the very next thing the man says is, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. And so here was a man who's wrestling with just believing in the power of God, the God's ability. That's, that's part of it. But then you see another part of this sort of faith in Matthew chapter eight, the man with leprosy. Remember the man with leprosy came to Jesus and he says, um, if you are willing, you could make me clean. So he, he didn't have any doubts that Jesus could do it. He just wrestled with whether or not Jesus would do it. And of course, Jesus says those very gracious words, I am willing, and he healed the man. And so here you see even two more parts of faith. You see belief in God, in his existence, and all the claims about God. That's one part of it. And then you see a trust in God that if I give myself to God, that he will indeed take care of me. Uh, I don't know about you, I struggle more with trusting God. There was a time in my, my, as a younger Christian that I really did wrestle with even the existence of God, and whether God was even a thing or whether he was even true or not. But now as I got, get older, I'm very solid about God and his power and God can do anything. But what I wrestle with now is trust. Will he do anything? What, what choices will he make? What if he makes a choice uh, and he takes me one way and I don't want to go that way? Can I trust him? But this is what faith is all about. Faith is the realm in which Christians exist, like a, a fish in an aquarium. If you take the Christian out of faith, he will not or she will not be able to exist or live or thrive. We've got to have faith. It is an absolute necessity. We have to realize that God is real. We can believe that. He does exist. And we have to trust that if we pursue him, he will reward us. He will not hold out on us. He will take care of us. This is what faith is. Faith is an attitude. Faith is an absolute necessity. And the final thing I want to point out here is faith is an action or faith prompts action, I should say. Faith is an attitude. It's an absolute necessity. It's a requirement. But faith also prompts action. We learn that from this passage. Let me just review some of the verbs in Hebrews 11, all right? Verse three, by faith we understand. Uh, verse four, by faith Abel offered and speaks. Verse five, Enoch was taken. Verse seven, uh, faith built 
condemned. Verse 8, faith obeyed and it went. Verse 9, faith made. By verse 11, faith was enabled. Faith offered. Faith blessed. Faith blessed and worshiped. Faith spoke and gave. Faith refused. Faith left and persevered. Faith kept. Faith passed. Verse 33, faith conquered, administered, gained, and shut. Verse 34, faith quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, turned weaknesses into strength, became powerful, routed enemies, and on and on and on. There's a lot of action in this passage. Action prompted by faith. And so true faith, this faith, this attitude, this being sure and being certain, faith that believes and trusts, you know, this faith will then start to prompt action in us. And this is so uh, fundamental in the scriptures that, you know, you know, James chapter two actually teaches us. It says, faith, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I mean, that's how serious God is about our faith and letting our faith prompt action in us. What actions has your faith prompted in you? Recently, has there been something where you've stepped out or you've done something or you've, you've taken an action that you might not normally do because of your faith? And you may think, well, Phil, I don't know. I haven't really done a lot, haven't done much. Well, listen, you're here, right? That's faith. You're here. You're at church right now. That's faith. And you may think, well, yeah, but that's not that big of a deal, bro. Going to church isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, but half the things listed in Hebrews 11 aren't really that big of a deal if you look at them, all right? I mean, verse three, by faith, we understand. That's it. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed his son. That's it. By faith, verse 21, Jacob blessed his son and worshiped while leaning on a staff. I mean, that's it. By faith, in verse 22, Joseph spoke about something else that was going to happen. I mean, you know, and I'm not trying to diminish God's word here. What I'm trying to teach us is you can't judge faithfulness of an action by the fireworks that go off after it's over. Because many faithful actions don't, uh, many faithful actions that we do, nobody ever knows or nobody may ever see. The crowds may not stand up and applause when you take a faithful action. Any action, any action prompted by faith is a big deal, period. That's the point. No matter how big or how small it may seem to you or other people around you. If your faith prompts you to step out in a way you would not normally do because of your faith, that's a big deal. That's an amazing deal. And that's what faith does. When we have this attitude, this being sure and being certain, and we, and we understand that we believe and we trust and we, we, we accept that, that God requires us to be faithful people, it will prompt action in us. So this is faith define. Let us cultivate this. Let us grow this, not just in our ministry, but in our hearts, in our families, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. Let us be people who are sure of what we hope for, 
certain of the things we don't see. Let us be people that believe in God and in his existence. Let us be people who know that trust that God will reward us. No matter how bleak the street or the road may be, God will reward us if we earnestly seek him. And let's let this genuine faith prompt us to step out in ways we wouldn't normally do without God. That's what faith does. You know, in closing here, uh, faith, uh, I'd like to just say, faith really gives us the freedom. Uh, and it, it, well, I'm sorry, faith gives God the freedom and the, the room to truly guide our lives. When we decide to have this kind of faith, we give God the leeway to do with us what may be uncomfortable to us, but what truly takes us to where we really want to be. I remember um, just a couple years ago when, when Leslie and I, when we were living in Brooklyn, you know, we were in an apartment and we were paying Brooklyn rent, you know, outrageous amount of rent. And, um, and it really just wasn't sustainable for us. And we we're trying to figure out what we were going to do. And we're like, we really want to own a home one day again. We'd owned a ho- homes in the past and we, you know, we wanted to own a house again. And we started thinking, well, where would we want to live one day? You know, one day, our, our one day house. And we actually, believe it or not, started thinking about that house. They didn't have the fireplace. Remember that one from 20 years prior? We started thinking about that house and we really loved that house. I mean, other than the lessons that I learned from it. And that was still good for me, but we just loved it. And so we started praying about it, thinking about it. And we would get on Zillow and we'd look at Zillow. And I even on Zillow, you can mark off certain areas. You know, if anything comes open in that area, you get an alert. So I don't know, we were just thinking, God, one day, you know, we want to, we want to settle down and we want to own a house again. And, uh, and one day, one day when we were in Brooklyn, I opened my emails in the morning and there was a Zillow alert for a house that just went on the market. It was that exact house that we had rented 20 years prior. In fact, when we moved out 20 years prior, the couple that moved in and rented it were still living there up until the point when they decided to move out then that's when the owner decided to sell the house. So they were still the same people. And we thought, oh my goodness, this is from God. I got the email and Leslie got the exact same email. And we're like, did you see the house? The house up on the hill, the Highland house, it's for sale. And we thought, let's do it. So we started making phone calls and we called everybody. I called you know, my bank. I, I called this uh, financial place that I was trying to work out all the down payment, all this. I was trying to get all the details put together. I thought, I know we live in Brooklyn. We work in Brooklyn, but we'll buy this house. And we even worked out how we were going to rent it and to pay for it until one day when we live there. You know, we just worked out all the details. We're like, this is totally from God. In fact, I even called the neighbor who still remembered me after 20 years. And I told him, I said, we're really interested. He said, oh, I would love to have you back as a neighbor. I mean, everything was working. And a, a, a brother in the church who's a realtor went with me. We went and looked at the house and it was all set. We're like, this is amazing. So he put an offer on the house. And the day, I mean, not just the day, but like a couple hours after putting the offer on the house, I found out that my finances fell through completely. One of the financial institutions we were using for our down payment completely misunderstood how finances work and everything we planned completely, our down payment completely fell through. We had nothing. So I, I had to call 
the, the place back, the realtor back and say, we have to retract our offer. This is, is not going to work. And I got to tell you, I was heartbroken. I mean, I was so discouraged. I was like, God, this was, why would you let my hopes get up so high? I mean, th- nothing. This was, a, this, a, this is you, clearly. In fact, when I went to go visit the house with the realtor, the whole time up there, I'm like, I am not, I'm not putting anything in parentheses this time, God. I was like, I learned my lesson 20 years ago, God. And, we drove, and I was like, I did everything right. We got everything right. And it completely fell through. And I was discouraged. And I thought, I don't know. I don't know what God has planned. I don't know what's going to work out. Well, about a year later, it worked out. The opportunity came up for us to move to New Jersey. And we had never lived in New Jersey before. We've been to New Jersey many times, but we never lived here. We came out here and uh, started looking for a house and God worked it all out. And we ended up buying a house. And some of you have been to our house now. You've seen it. And I, and I realized, wow, what I thought was a complete failure was actually God guiding me to where he really wanted to be. We love our new house. We love our neighborhood. We love being with you guys. We love our new ministry. We, this is amazing. I mean, God has blessed us beyond what, now we can't really see the Hudson River from here, but I can see uh, the reservoir, the New Jersey City Reservoir. So, hey, amen, there you go. But I mean, I realized that what I thought was a failure was actually a step to where God really wanted me to be. That's what faith allows. When you and I can really embrace this attitude and really embrace faith, then we give God permission to take us through heartaches in route to where he really wants us to be. And let me just close with this. This house has two fireplaces. Amen. So that's the lesson. This is what faith is. Let us be men and women of faith. Let us, uh, let us uh, grow faith in our hearts and let us strive to grow faith in our church as well.